We're going to get thirsty. Ooh. Yeah, that's rough. Be rough. Uh, all right, we're live. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Fan Fuel Motorsports. Um, I'm joined, or I am, I guess, your interim host again, Colton Cranmore, coming back with you. Or bleh, tongue tangled up. Let me fucking focus here. <laughs> this is Keith. Welcome back, Keith. Hello. <laughs> Uh, Keith's got to be to work at the Wawa by nine o'clock Eastern tonight. So we're going to try to not necessarily hustle it up, but that's why we're starting a little earlier than we have been in the past. Um, I, I think this might become a normal thing just to accommodate. Um, we'll have to see how the future goes. Um, but Keith, are you pissed? Um, on different levels. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, let's talk about that. First off, right. we saw a, a pretty entertaining Xfinity race. Um, it wasn't spectacular, but it wasn't um, a snooze fest either. Um, AJ Allmendinger stays undefeated at the Roval. I mean, ever since he hopped into that car in 2019, he has been the undeniable favorite at the Roval. Um, and for him to win four consecutive events there is not a small feat. Um, four consecutive race wins at any given racetrack is incredible. You know, you've seen Dale Jr. do it at Talladega. Jimmy Johnson did it at Texas for all you know, four straight fall races. It is not an easy feat. Um, and there has been a plethora of talent that he has run into. Um, running at the Roval, he's run into Monsoon Rain. He's run into a driver that is getting ready to take over for Kyle Busch. Like, the amount of talent that he's had to go through at that racetrack and for him to win four straight times, there's nothing, nothing you can say other than damn. Yeah. Yeah. And they brought it up on the broadcast, him winning at Talladega really kind of sealed the fate of even possibly winning four in a row because we saw the splitting strategies of, you know, the playoff drivers that weren't locked in going for stage points versus, you know, let's split this up and go for the race win. Um, so that did really put him in a good spot. But, yeah, I mean, just the the absolute dominance that he has on road courses in general, um, the Roval more specifically, um, I mean, it's it's impressive. Um, we're not going to see another driver win four in a row at a track like that for a long time. Like you mentioned, Dale Jr., I think, was the last one. Oh, no, Jimmy Johnson, four straight uh, fall Texas race wins. Um, and uh, honestly, but, I, th I think that Kevin Harvick might have done that, too. Um, I, actually, he might have done three in a row. But regardless, it's not easy. It's exactly. Not. Yeah. Um, like it doesn't matter what, what form uh, of racing you're in, what, what level in NASCAR you're in to win four straight of anything is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. Um, staying on the Xfinity train, Haley Deegan is making her Xfinity series debut this weekend. She's going to be driving the number 07, um, that we've seen kind of rotated around between cup guys and Joe Graff once in a while. Um, how, how do you think Haley is going to do in the Xfinity series this weekend? Um, I think she's going to do decent. Um, I think this is a, a more difficult vehicle for her to, to wheel around. You know, the trucks are very, you know, sucked down to the ground. They're, they're, they're like, they're, I say this very loosely. They're easy to drive. I could never hop into a race truck and do what they do. But in terms of the top three series, it is the easiest to drive. I believe um, she's going to be hopping into the most difficult portion of our sport and that being the Xfinity series. Um, and she is hopping into a race winning vehicle. That car won earlier this season at mm -hmm. um, Auto Club of Cole Custer. Yep. So it has the capability of being competitive. 
So I think hopping into the car, I think she's going to find that it is going to be very fun and it's going to be intense. Um, and the competition level, I believe, is going to be heightened to a different level that she has not seen yet in our sport, um, especially at a place like Vegas. Vegas is a lot of fun. It's fast. It's slippery. You know, you go there in the fall and when you go there in the fall, it's still pretty hot. So yeah. it's going to be a, a slick racetrack. Um, I see her kind of miring around like the mid twenties, you know, maybe like the, the high, the high thirties, um, or the low thirties for that matter. So I think she'll have a respectable run for someone hopping into an Xfinity car for the first time. But I do believe that this is going to be a very important role for her as, um, David Gill in motorsports, um, has kind of made some inroads on going towards Toyota for next year. And Haley Deegan has a Ford contract. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if she's going to be fitting in anywhere next season in the truck series for a Ford, but if this situation works out and she could bring sponsorship with her, I don't see a reason why she would not be able to be in this car for next season. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's definitely a possibility. Um, I, I think Haley will have better success in the Xfinity series because it's not as much bumper cars. Um, like, I mean, she just gets kicked around in the truck series, and they all do. That's just kind of the style that series has been for the last few years. Um, I, I, like you said, I think she's going to be mid to, you know, bottom half of the pack um, just because it's her debut. She's not going to want to go out and junk the car, you know, just complete all the laps, try to learn as much as she can. Um, but I am excited about this. I do think that we will see her maybe not full-time, but definitely competing in a majority of the Xfinity Series schedule next year because – I mean, she she will bring funding just being that, you know, she's a woman and you know, up and coming and um, all this stuff. And she's super marketable, too. So she's got to bring sponsors with her wherever she goes. Um, I think it'll be cool to see. Um, I was really hyped on Haley last year when she started because um, she had a couple good runs. She clicked off in the truck series and just kind of lulled out this year. And I'm just wondering if that step up won't help her a little bit. Absolutely. And, and I, I think that DGM as a whole – um, they're good, but they're not the best team in the truck series. Um, Ford as a whole really doesn't have the best program. Their flagship team right now is, um, that 38 with, um, front row motorsports. And that's been about it. So it's nothing, it's not a knock on, on Haley Deegan. I just think that Ford hasn't put a lot of love into the truck series program since probably like the Mark Martin days. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, that's, that's okay. You know, it, it's made room for Chevrolet and, and Toyota to have a lot of their prospect drivers come out through. Um, you also have to keep in mind that a lot of the Ford teams that we have up in the cup series and the Xfinity series, um, they already have very well seasoned veterans, but they're still young. So there's really nobody that needs to be replaced yet. You know, Joey Logano is in his early thirties. Austin Sanderson is rookie season. Ryan Blaney's in his, you know, his high twenties. So they all have several years on their, on their contracts. Brad Keselowski probably has another like five, six years. Mm -hmm. Chris Buescher, at least another decade or so. So Ford isn't really in any position to have to go and fill any spaces. Unlike, you know, you have, it's, you know, Toyota teams with, you know, Kurt Busch, him being a little bit older, you know, Joe Gibbs racing, having Kyle Busch, you know, of course he left to RCR, um, Denny Hamill, Martin Truex Jr. So they, those gaps need to be filled. Um so I think that the Ford program is in a pretty good position knowing that they're going to have a woman driver um, probably going to be hopping into a, a majority of the Xfinity Series races next season and um, kind of given a, a good metric and, and a good word for, for um, that 017. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it'll be exciting and only time will tell. 
Um, so the this last weekend at the Roval, we've known that the next gen car has had its issues um, with safety and as well as you know on track product. Um, and it's, I mean, the Roval just kind of brought out the worst in the next gen car. Um, it seemed like no one could pass outside of the first lap or two of a restart. Um, I mean, we would see guys get, you know, track someone down from four tenths back and then just be stuck there because you can't, they couldn't pass because these things are so aerodependent and they grip so well. Um, so this is an ongoing thing that we've seen at short tracks and, uh, road courses. What, I mean, what are your thoughts on it and what, in your opinion, have you seen that are, would be feasible solutions? So really what I saw was this car is great for qualifying. You can yeah. put down a hell of a fucking lap and you can do it lap after lap after lap. Um, but they become so even and there's really no way that you can find your way around another driver. Um, these tires, they're wider. You know, so there's so much more surface area that's getting as the contact patch on the racetrack. So you have a lot more to work with. The cars are symmetrical now, you know, so everything's kind of even on, e on either end. And especially you're going left and right, there's not going to be a, a favorite spot. Um, the brakes are massive. So you can drive down in deep into these corners. Um, now you have uh, this sequential gearbox. That's another big thing is having a sequential gearbox is going to help the driver a, a lot more than what the, the typical H pattern was to be had. So there's a lot of different factors that go into all of this. And I think another big part of the fact is um, NASCAR, after acquiring IMSA, I'm sure learned a lot about the sports car world. And they really, really enjoyed what they saw, um, how the car acted, and they really wanted to model something after a sports car, which completely understandable. Sports cars are fun. They're fun to drive. They're fast. And they have all these different capabilities, you know, like the, there's great passing. There's great racing. And it's like it got over to the stock car side and it just never transferred over you yeah. know like the like the two main sources of our entertainment in terms of of nascar racing over the last decade have been short tracks and road courses and what have these fans been preaching for ever at this point it feels like more short tracks more road courses now we have you know the la coliseum just got added we have you know from 2010 to now you know we added another four or five road courses and we're adding a street course next year and it seems like it hasn't done what it's supposed to do right. and it, it, it's been a little frustrating what i think they need to do and a lot of these drivers have been asking for this and i don't know if that's going to be the smartest solution financially but they're asking for a complete overhaul they want they, they don't want you know a new rear clip they don't want new tires they don't want you know a, a change on the diffuser they want a whole new car yeah. i don't think that's the best way to go i think they're in not a great spot but i think that they're in a very pivotal spot where okay you just got out of the best era of the gen 6 car you have all this knowledge of a race car that you ran for what nine seasons and you were able to make a fantastic stock car. Was it perfect? No, no stock car is going to be perfect. And that's okay. But the sooner that everybody at NASCAR realizes that you are not going to capture lightning in a bottle every single race weekend, the better off you are. Yeah. Because I, I mean, from, from the race car to the format, we don't have that whole, that's a whole nother topic that we're going to have a discussion on. The race car is, is the primary focus here. 
the safety issues have become very prevalent. Kurt Busch and now Alex Bowman, who was just told he can't race for another three weeks. So he's out of that 48 car for at least until Phoenix. So that's a, another big hit. And apparently we've heard word on the street that Tyler Reddick is taking over for Kurt Busch next year. Kurt Busch is having a press conference on Saturday in Las Vegas. And that is going to be something that I think a lot of people are thinking it's going to be a retirement announcement. How are you going to have someone get sent into retirement because of this race car? How? Right. So uh, there's a lot of, of different things. The safety, I think, is the biggest portion of it. Yeah. And then how this car reacts on the racetrack and with other race cars is another big part. Mile and a half program, awesome. Fantastic. They nailed it. When it comes to the intermediate program, awesome. Fantastic. They nailed it. Their super speedway program, it could be a little bit better. Not the worst I've ever seen. Trust me. Yeah. Not by a long shot. And I think a lot of people were like, oh, Talladega was terrible. This car is terrible. I think everybody was just taking their time. After all of the things that have happened, Alex Bowman had just that weekend said, hey, I can't race because of a concussion. Everybody started to take it a little bit easier. You have one bad wreck and look at Alex Bowman. He's out of the playoff hunt. So right. Talladega, I think, could have been a much better race. Um, there were also people who just could not make any runs. So there needs to be a look at the drawing board all over again. And I know that NASCAR said, hey, we're going to make a new rear clip. We're going to fix this race car a little bit for you guys. That's great. But there needs to be something else done in terms of how this product is being affected. Because we're going to Martinsville in, in, in three weeks. And we we saw the spring race there. The spring race was abysmal. So yeah, um, I try to be optimistic. I do. And I hope that it is miles better than what it was in the spring. I don't know if I can really commit to that um, and say that for sure it'll be better. And I think if you're going to go a full season and you have all these complaints from drivers and you have all these different you know complaints from, from fans, it, it, it's not a coincidence. There, there's, there's definitely something there. And I think the NASCAR needs to take a step back and they need to really, really evaluate this car. And hopefully by 2024, because this is not going to be a, a two month fix right. over, over the off season. Right. This is going to be, we're going to have to suck it up for 2023 and hope that 2024 is a better season. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't think the drivers are, I don't think they're that far off calling for a complete overhaul just because of the, the engineering and the resources that would have to go in to fix some of these changes. Um, they talked about it on Doorbuffer Clear last week um, after Alex Bowman's hit of if you see pictures of how stiff the rear end is, it's just nothing but iron in there. Um, mm -hmm. And so, I mean, obviously when you back in, it's not going to bend because it's, you know, steel. Um, but that also houses the fuel cells. So they can't, you can't collapse it. So NASCAR is now in this hard spot of, well, what, what do we do now? Because we can't make the rear ends collapse like we used to, because that's where the fuel is. Where are we going to put the fuel? You can't put it in the, you know, in the cockpit and just firewall it off. So uh, one thing that, that I also heard was, you know, through this whole podcast, um, we were able to collapse the rear end with the fuel cell back there the whole time. And we were able to get that thing to crush all the way up to the back windshield. The biggest issue now that we're having is the independent rear suspension, a brand new component to this race car with a lot more activity going on that if you move that fuel cell a little bit too far, there's a lot of different pointy parts back there that it'll puncture that fuel cell. 
when you had our old rear suspension, yeah, where it, it was it, the way that it was set up allowed it a little bit more leeway when the car crushed up to the back. Yeah, and now they're trying to keep that fuel cell as stiff as possible to keep away from the independent rear suspension. Right, which I understand it, but you're also you are sacrificing a lot. Yeah. And I, I saw on Twitter, um, one of my favorite followers is, is Bozy Tatarevic. He, um, he's a big sports car guy. He races, or he's a, a crew member on the Lexus IMSA team. Um, I, I want to say in, in, in GTLM, I could be wrong. Anyway, he, um, he has all these different blueprints for these race cars. And they are, they had a, a there was a leaked picture of what they're planning on doing. And when you look at it, they, they, there's like three different pieces of the rear end that, that are supposed to be deleted. Um, and there's going to be some reworking of some of the tubing inside of the race car. But the amount of metal that's back there, it is just, it is a big metal chamber that hmm. has absolutely no give in it. And it's, it's, a really, it's a really telling sign of how hard this car wrecks. Right. And it's it's simple, simple hits. I mean, it's so easy for me. I'm I'm sitting on a chair talking about NASCAR, saying, ah, oh, it's just an easy hit. For a driver to spin around and hit the wall at 150 miles an hour, I mean, think about doing that on the highway. It's probably terrifying. Right. But th- we've been conditioned to know that when these cars spin around and hit the wall, it's it's a simple tag. It's a simple tap, and it's fine. Everything's good. Um, and now these drivers are having to worry about what they're going to do. You know, spotters, spotters were told by NASCAR, Hey, when your driver is, you know, getting ready to get into an accident, let your driver know, I key him up and say, Hey, put your head back into, into the seat. Right. So that way that hits not as hard. Why did you have to do that? Why, why, why should you have to, to take more precaution in a race car that should be the safest we've ever made? Right. How did how, how did we wheel back the hands of time to 20 years ago right. to where we're having to worry about a driver's safety in such such a capacity? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, we even go back to last year when a lot of these safety rumors started to leak um, about the next gen car as far as the crash testing and whatnot. Um, there were a lot of questions raised as to why are we finding out about this X amount of months before launch? Why was this not tested thoroughly in the years? I mean, we're talking five years they've had to work through this. Um, and then not only that, but like from the time we've seen it, when Austin Dillon first drove it, we're talking still several years. Um, it makes you wonder what the hell were they doing during this time? Um, because all of this should have been worked out before that car was ever rolled out in the LA Coliseum. And um, not only that, but this car was actually supposed to be in 2021. Like we were supposed yes. to have this car last year. So what was what was NASCAR's plan for that? Or would we be have been in the same boat? Like it's just the ball has been dropped in so many different places, it's hard to tell who fumbled it. Like it really- I mean I remember when they were talking about the heating issues, and this was happening in late 2021. When yeah. they're talking about, hey, we're getting really, really hot in the race car, you got the exhaust pipes running right underneath us. And yep. they had to rework the entire under panel of the race car to be able to have the exhaust pipe shoot out before it even gets to the driver's seat. Yep. So imagine having to deal with a whole year in 2021 of drivers overheating or getting burnt inside of their race cars. 
So this was a race car that, for whatever reason, they felt needed to be out now when you had a perfectly good Gen 6 car that was finally getting into its prime, you know, like even without the horsepower. You know, we took away the horsepower. We changed a lot of the of the specifications with the race cars. Yet, we gave a little bit of horsepower back. We put them on the racetrack, and they were fantastic. And last season was one of my favorite seasons of NASCAR to watch, hands down. Have I enjoyed this season to a degree? Absolutely. I, I've enjoyed the, the parody. I've enjoyed the excitement on tracks that we haven't had much excitement to have over the last decade or so. But... At the end of the day, I didn't want to – I don't want to ever sacrifice um, a good product for a meh product. Like a product that we're going to have to continue to work on for years. We're going to have to do the same thing that we did with the COT and the Gen 6. We're yeah. just in a guinea pig era. This is this is us hopping on the racetrack, putting the cars out there, and seeing what works. And so you are going to sacrifice – years of this sport that we have finally built it back up only to tear it back down. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I mean, it just, I mean, the old adage, right. You know, if you can't take the time to do it correctly, you're going to have to take the time to do it again. And that's exactly the boat that we're in. Um, a lot of the, the mechanical issues that we've seen with like the steering column, um, you mentioned the exhaust with the overheating. A lot of this shit can be fixed in a matter of months. Um, However, the safety can't. That is a, a long project. Um, NASCAR can figure out lugs over the offseason and test the absolute piss out of them for cheap and come out with a lug that won't fall off, you know. Um, but, I mean, we've, we've seen them dig themselves into such a huge hole now where you said it earlier, like, we're, we're kind of at a crossroads here. They're not necessarily in an awful spot, but they're in a pivotal spot. Yes. Um, what do you think of Denny Hamlin's comments this last week of – NASCAR basically needs to clean house. Um, I don't remember what the exact quote was, but it just reminded me while you were talking, um, saying that, you know, we need to replace everyone that's in a leadership position in NASCAR and just start fresh. Yeah. I mean, he, he was asked, you know, what's the biggest issue that we're having? And he said, poor leadership. And he's like, what's the way to fix it? New leadership. Um, he went on to say that Steve O'Donnell, um, sorry, Steve Phelps was not the person he was targeting in that. Um, thinks that Steve Phelps is doing a great job in his role. However, I think there are way too many men with suits that are up in that portion of, of our sport that think they know what the best of the best to do is. They think business analytics and they, they take it and they say, all right, you know, we can do X, Y, and Z to make it good for the business. And then you got drivers like Tony Stewart. Tony Stewart is fucking livid right now. Yeah. He said yeah, he said if he's he said if I don't have any if I didn't have to do any sponsorship obligations, if I didn't have to be there for any meet and greets, he said I would not be there for another race for the rest of the season. He's already had two massive penalties get hit and they withdrew the Kevin Harvick penalty to go and focus on the Cole Custer penalty. So yeah. he, he's he's pissed and Back to Tony Stewart as well, there was a thing that Nathan shared a couple of years ago where Tony Stewart said that they went and they talked to the people in NASCAR and said, this is what you need to do to make this sport good. And he said somebody, he wouldn't name who it was, basically said that is the 180 of what we're actually trying to do. 
because they're not looking at it in the way that we're looking at it. They're, they're not looking at it at like how IndyCar is. IndyCar just wants a good racing product. And NASCAR wants a good entertainment product. And that is something that you need to keep in mind. And that's something you need to say to yourself again. IndyCar wants a good racing product. NASCAR wants a good entertainment product. And I get that we are in the business of entertainment, but we're not trying to manufacture greatness. You have to let that happen on its own. How in the world did we have this massive, mega, wild boom between the late 90s and the mid-2000s, and we never even had a playoff format? These drivers literally fucking showed up in a race car. They put it out on the racetrack in North Wilkesboro, North Carolina. If you told me to look that up on the map, I wouldn't tell you where the hell it is. But they had thousands of fans flock to this place. And it, it, it goes to show you that if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, and, and I know that uh, there was a lot of different factors that go into it. You can go from the, the, the recession, you know, you, you go with um, trying to help with safety. And I get that. But they have tried so hard to make it more and more entertaining as opposed to com- having that competitive spirit. Like it, it, there's so much that they could be doing differently and doing better that uh, they're failing on, on so many different aspects. And now they're putting drivers in harm's way with this race car. They're trying their best to try to find whatever way that they can to make this car more entertaining. They want to have the best racing product all around to make it more entertaining. I get it, but you're sacrificing drivers. These people are going to be up inside of those suites on top of the boxes at Daytona, at Charlotte, at Bristol, and they're going to be watching this race while 40 drivers, or now 36, because we can never get 40 drivers in one field anymore. Um, they hop out onto these race cars, and, and they're putting their life on the line. And I know that they've done this for two decades. I, I know since Dillinger have passed away, it's been an unwritten rule that you are going to be going out there and you are going to be risking your life. But now these drivers are thinking about it more than they had ever thought about it in their life. They're not thinking, all right, got to go balls to the wall. Let's have some fun. Now, Noah Gregson's going 80% in a race car that he should be going 100% in because he's afraid he's going to ruin his shot at a championship. You have drivers who are getting older that they probably can't take the hits like they used to. They probably took hell of a hell of a lot of bell ringers over their career, and, and now they have to think about it. Now they have to think how hard do they have to push, and it, it doesn't feel like NASCAR is taking it as serious as they should. And I was listening to, I think it was a Dale Jordan download or uh, DBC. It might have been DBC. They're, they're in that denial, denial phase. They're, they're in that first step. They're in denial that something's wrong. Finally, after months of people saying, this car ain't right. This isn't good. This isn't, this, this isn't what we, sh- what we should be promoting, what we should be doing. Finally, they're starting to do something about it. And it's four races to go in the season. Why did it take this long? Right. Yeah, why did it take 36 weeks to get here? Um, there's you you made a lot of great points. Um, I mean, with with Tony Stewart, I I hope that a lot of people realize, especially people in the suits in NASCAR that I'll get to here in a second, that NASCAR needs Tony Stewart way more than Tony Stewart needs NASCAR. If Tony pulled out of NASCAR, Tony would be fine. He's got all the money he could ever play with. 
He's got all the avenues to go race whatever the hell he wanted to, go wherever the hell he wanted to. And he's probably, I'm sure he's thankful of NASCAR for that opportunity to make such good loads of money. But we both know that Tony was going to be a race car driver regardless if it was NASCAR or not. Regardless if it was just his own street stock every single week. Um, But seeing Tony say those comments of, I'm mad, I wouldn't come to a race unless I had these obligations, um, that's alarming because you're going to lose a lot of fans. Um, not necessarily this week or this month or this season, um, but those fans, especially in the future, are going to say, if Tony's not in it, I'm not in it because they remember the good old days of, you know, the Smokes, the Gordons. Um, and if they're starting to back out, that's alarming. Um, I think that's one of the biggest red flags to this point. The, the car can be fixed. Um, relationships are a lot harder to fix than a stiff race car. Um, so that is... I mean, and we'll we'll get to the whole unbox what is the Custer situation. Um, but, I mean, and to your point about the executives in the suits, I mean, I've said that for a couple of years now that, you know, we have way too many guys up there who are just career businessmen. And, you know, Francis that have been around, that, you know, have been around longer than my parents have been alive and have done nothing but see NASCAR from that point of view as kids and as teenagers and as young adults and seeing what it takes to run NASCAR and then taking it and running with it this direction instead of what the Bills would have wanted in the racing direction. Um, They got caught up way too much in the money and the TV aspect of it and not enough in the why are people spending money and why are people watching the race. Um, I mean, it is just super disappointing that we don't have adequate leadership in NASCAR just to say, after a blunder, hey, we messed up. We should have called the caution there. Instead, we get these word salads every week of, well, we're going to kind of halfway explain what we thought, but we're actually not going to answer this question. Instead, we're just going to dance around it for a minute and give you a corporate answer. I don't know if you've ever worked B2B, um, like sales or any kind of communications, like business to business, but it's the same shit. Like nothing ever gets fucking done. That's why it takes months to do stuff in business is because it's just word salads. And that's what I feel like is going to happen here is until we get more, I mean, people pissed off at NASCAR, like a smoke, like a Denny Hamlin. Um, You've seen them how long it's taken them to get to this point of just admitting that they need to look at it. Um, Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this has the opportunity to be leading us down a really long road or a really positive, you know, hopefully shorter road of let's get everything fixed back to normal, let's grow this thing, instead of let's try to fix the cataclysmic couple of years we just had um, and try to rebuild our brand from scratch, which, I mean, hopefully isn't where we're heading. Um, I don't think necessarily an all-out wipe of the leadership. Um, I think there's a handful of them that I would like to see stay, but the majority of them, especially on the competition side, can get the fuck out. I agree, 100%. so we touched on the Kurt announcement. Um, Byron's penalty next on my list. So we saw this after Talladega. Um, the what was a 25-point penalty was erased. Um, this leading back to Texas when he spun Hamlin under caution. Um, the points penalty was overturned. He they won that appeal. Instead, they just find him a little bit more money. Essentially, what they're saying is, hey, you can spin out whoever you want. Here's how much money a point costs in the NASCAR playoffs. Yeah. I mean, I was listening to DBC, 
And I love listening to, to DBC and the Dale Jr. Download because they have so much insight on, on what all of this really means. So they were talking about how one points position, especially the higher you go in the points, equates to a lot more winnings, a lot more money. $100,000 is a drop in the bucket. It costs about, for a top team, about $300,000 per race for a sponsor. So a third of that is $100,000, and that's in just one race event. So they went, they looked at the wording of, of the rule and said, you know, it could be 25 to 50 points and or fifty to $100,000. So they kind of gave him a choice. They gave him an option. So that was their wiggle room. HMS went and, and they battled that and they ended up getting that overturned. So that way it's a hundred thousand dollars instead of 25 points, which that would have relegated William Byron outside of the playoff picture after the Roval. Cause he only got in by, I think it was 11 points. So 25 points when he's out. So there's a few different points of this. First and foremost, this now promotes drivers to say, hey, you can just fuck around and do whatever you want, you know? And uh, NASCAR right. had to go and change their rule book wording in order to make sure that drivers know this isn't okay. Like, you can't just be going around under caution, hitting somebody 30 miles an hour quicker just because you're a little mad. You know, that's that's not what we're trying to promote here. Um, 25 points is a lot. That is mm-hmm. a lot. Um, and on top of all of this, what really, really irks me about everything is Talladega was changed completely. It almost, if it weren't for Elliott's race win, the entire race would have just been absolutely erased, meant nothing. Because William Byron's point standings were not altered until after Talladega. So this happens in Texas. They let it go a whole week, and then the appeals panel comes in the week after Talladega. After all these drivers have created a strategy, they've planned around certain things to be able to work their way into the Roval, and then this penalty gets overturned, and now Byron's in. He leapfrogs everybody without lifting a finger, and he's into the playoffs while you have other drivers having to scramble and go berserk at the Roval to try and find points. And then what I find the most comical out of everything is I am a diehard in Hendrick Motorsports fan, love Hendrick Motorsports, but they went, fought tooth and nail for William Byron to get his points back. And in doing so, they inadvertently eliminated the defending champion Mm -hmm. on their race team. And I think that is absolutely hysterical. The fact that they went, and because of them fighting as hard as they did to get Byron in, they got Larson out. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but Larson had a much better chance of winning the title than Byron does. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, why why couldn't this have been expedited? Take care of it Thursday, you know, so teams have a chance to work around and say, okay, well, Byron is actually in this, you know, much. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, I get – there was a loophole in the rule book. I get it. But also, I mean, this just stems back to why wasn't it addressed at the race? Like, yeah. how did you? You didn't miss that. I know they didn't. There's no fucking way they could There's have missed, didn't fucking see. 15 different screens around Texas. 
There's You're, dozens of people. The person who, who runs your social media account posted it. Yeah. How did you miss it? I mean, spotters are yelling and waving. It's on the front stretch. Crowds are screaming. Like, there's no way they didn't see this happen, not only in real time, but a replay immediately after. Um, so this, I mean, it sends the message, like, to a Denny Hamlin. Um, if he doesn't make the championship four, who's to say he didn't just go out and knock William around right at the end of the race? And, 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 and another big thing is the fact that William Byron essentially faced zero penalty for anything at any given point in the playoffs. And yeah. I mean anything. He didn't lose his position in Texas. He didn't get a points penalty. And he makes the next round of the playoffs. Meanwhile, Denny Hamlin loses his spot on the racetrack at Texas, completely altering how his race is going to run. Nothing was done between Texas and, and, and the Roval or Texas and Talladega to be able to expedite this, this appeal. And just make and it have through. this done. And yeah. now you had everybody but Chase Elliott heading into the Roval. They're not sure if they're going to make it or not. You yeah. know, look at Daniel Suarez. Daniel Suarez had a catastrophic failure. Kyle Larson, catastrophic failure. Like, it's insane to think all of the butterfly effect that happened. There was such a blunder. Yeah. On NASCAR side, on the National Appeals Panel side. There is so much that I can look at and be like, what the fuck were you doing? What the fuck were you doing? And look what you have done. Look what you've created. Yeah. And don't even get me started on this fucking sign that was on the racetrack for however long. Oh, and finally, that. somebody figured it out that it was we'll on the racetrack. God well, damn. Yeah, I mean, you got real quick before I dive in. I need to plug in my fucking computer because it's about to die. Uh, and yeah, I forgot to do that. It. Before I started, so okay. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, I just where where's fairness? Like the NFL, NBA, MLB all run like sports leagues. We're run like, I mean, I feel like gas stations are run better than this most of the time. Honestly, I wouldn't know because I run one. Yeah, I mean, um, it's it is embarrassing right now in this moment to be a NASCAR fan. When you take a look at the last six weeks, starting from the rain at Daytona and compile them all together, mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, where's fairness? What is fair here? You mentioned the sign. We'll go ahead and do that, and then we'll dig into the Custer issue um, that led to a lot of this. This sign was sitting in turn six for, Denny said, at least the start of the third stage. Several drivers reported a couple laps. A couple spotters said it was a couple laps. So I don't know if it was necessarily the beginning of the stage, but it was a while. It was enough that a lot of people noticed. And it was enough that NBC noticed and put it on the TV and held it there for 43 seconds. I don't know if it was exactly 43. It just sounded cool. Um, but nonetheless, NASCAR knew about this. There's no way they didn't. There's no way they didn't. But they saw this either as... It's already been out there for a minute. Let's wait and see what happens if anyone notices, right? Or let's save this because this might be – I mean, I understand, too, it wasn't all the way on the track to begin with. It was kind of shuffled around a little bit. Um, but it's almost like they said, here, let's save this for later in case we need a caution. And I feel, I feel gutted for Chase Elliott. I do not like the guy. But he – 
had dominated that race and then inevitably because of that four lap to go caution lost the race because you wound everyone back up. You just gave, you know, a dog, a brand new chew toy and they just shredded him to bits. Oh yeah. Hardcore. I mean, Alan Gustafson and the whole nine team, they put together a masterclass plan of pitting a few laps earlier. And on top of that, they also got lucky with Tyler Reddick having a problem on the left rear. So he his stop was was elongated, and we had gapped A.J. Allmendinger. So there was a few different pieces that worked so well. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, there ain't no fucking way this man's winning this race. That was too perfect. That was too clean. That was too nice. Mm-hmm. There's no way. And sure enough, four to go, this mysterious sign comes out of nowhere, which I don't even know why we have signs. This was a sign that was on the inside wall. We have, we wrap race cars in fucking decals. How are we still putting cardboard signs on our racetracks? Like, come on. Like, there's no way that that is your best possible way to put forth advertisement in this sport. There's no way. So you have that. And then you have this caution that ensues. And you have just given the green flag Fuck shit up. Enjoy. Have fun. You want to be psychotic? Go be psychotic. This is what we want. This is you making our selling point that the Roval is a good race so that we can promote this all next year. We can promote Chase Elliott getting fucking dumped. We can promote Christopher Bell winning in in, in incredible fashion. We can promote the psychotic bullshit that you saw on the backstretch chicane for four laps straight. Five wide trying to squeeze into two wide. Yeah, let's fucking try it. Let's give it a shot. Brilliance at its finest. You had a five-car pileup in the first corner. Nothing. You had cars stopped for 30 seconds into each other, hidden on the wall. You didn't do a damn thing. All of that was caused because of the fact that, dude, I, I would rather the fucking sign fall off and you throw a caution immediately with 12 laps to go. When, whenever it came out, yep. you are, you have now opened up this door once again. I swear they close this door every time they say, we're never going to do this again. We're going to learn from it. And it's like, they wake up sleepwalking and open that fucking door every time uh, of inconsistency every yeah. time. And it blows my mind that we are this deep into the playoffs. Daytona was a fuck up. You had so many different mistakes all across our playoffs thus far, you have now eliminated your defending champion because your beat-ass race car cannot handle hitting the wall. Chase Elliott got thrown into the wall by Kevin Harvick last year, the exact same spot that Kyle Larson broke his toe link. That man came back, scared the shit out of Kevin Harvick, and finished in the top 10 in the same race and didn't have a concussion. Yep. There are so many different things that I could just rip into these people about, and I just don't have enough air in my lungs, and nor do I want to give it out to them for allowing this to happen the way that it's happened. And we are the absolute laughingstock of of motorsports right now. There's no way. Nobody talks about World of Outlaws because they got shit going straight. Nobody talks about NHRA because what is there to talk about NHRA? You got to go in a straight line, and everything works perfectly. They've done it since the fucking 40s, and it still works. IndyCar, they've absolute masterclass. And you, you, I think the only blunder this weekend outside of NASCAR was F1 with, with, with the rain situation. 
and listen, it wasn't perfect, but they made it work. Yeah. How are how are we seventy plus years into this sport and we're still doing this? How? I don't even know if if still is the right word because this when I was a kid, this shit didn't happen. Maybe once a year, you'd see something weird happen, and you'd think, "Oh, crazy! Wow, nuts!" And that was it. Like you just treat it as this like spectacle. But now that it's it's almost every week, like NASCAR, the race directors are losing credibility. I mean, by the second. I mean, and it's just been kind of snowballing over the last couple of years. Um, we saw it really bad in the truck series, um, 2021, um, cup series this year has been absolutely atrocious Xfinity series as well. As far as like, what is, what isn't a caution? When do you call it caution? Um, I'm just saying with David hoots, none of this shit would have happened because David would have seen that sign and said, immediately put it out. I would much rather, I don't care if it was 48 laps to go, throw the yellow, that signs on the track. Let's get it off, secure it. Let's go racing. Um, the fact that they waited at all to throw it loses credibility with me. Um, Chad brings up a good point, and that's the one I thought of too. Like, why not just paint the fucking decals like we do with almost everything else? Like, you know that Sargento Cheese is going to make 95 cardboard signs to put around this strip of the um, straightaway. Just paint their logo in seven or eight times. Call it good. Make them big as shit so you can see what kind of cheese they're selling. Um, like, there's, there's ways around it. They just don't want to do them. They'd rather just, I don't know, like keep money in their pockets and call it fucking good. Like, I don't know. And you you mentioned, like, we are kind of the laughing stock of motorsports at the moment. Um, and we have been on this trend for a while now. But it is, I mean, we're hitting a rock bottom. At least it feels like it. Um, it's just, why? Like, fucking why? Um, Larson's out of contention. The defending champ as you mentioned, because of, of shitty parts. It's not like he didn't race his way in because he would have. Like, he would have smoked him. Um, same with Suarez. Like, I mean, I feel bad for Suarez, too, because he would have raced Dega a hell of a lot different had he known Byron wasn't, you know, getting penalized. Um, I mean, we keep just looping back around to fuck leadership in NASCAR. But, I mean, I feel like that's just kind of the whole premise everyone got over this last week. You know, like, what the fuck are we doing here? Um, Cole Custer was a bro this last week and lifted off the gas 100 yards early to let Chase Briscoe, I'm not even going to say let Chase Briscoe by, but to hold up Austin Dillon, um, and I don't remember who else was behind him, um, but let him off, let off a little bit, coming to the chicane. Briscoe blows by both of them, um, takes off, advances into the playoffs by two spots. First off, this shouldn't have even fucking mattered because Chase Briscoe was tied at that point and would have won the tiebreaker. Um, but now we're in this point where something that we have seen for decades now in, in NASCAR with teammates helping each other, um, there's never been a precedent set of you can't do this. Spingate, fair, because that was well collab um, collaborated in advance. You know, it was a a premeditated act, if you will. But Cole's crew chief coming over the radio and saying, I think you have a flat checkup, checkup, checkup. Well, so fucking what? Like, I don't see, and I don't see the issue that NASCAR seemed to have seen here. Um, I can, I mean, we can both give examples of the last five years of this happening. I can give examples from 25 years ago of this happening. 
why is it all of a sudden an issue now? Um, go ahead. I, I think with Spingate, Spingate was one of those things where they had a pretty decent um, – Spingate plan. was malice. Yeah, it was incredibly like, intentional. Yes, and, and like – it was it was like WWE style, and then Brian Vickers was like, "Oh, I gotta go to the pit road. I'm fine though. I like it. I'm good where I'm at." Just totally yeah. blew it out of the fucking water. Just destroyed it. So MWR, you know, they kind of made their own bed in, in that aspect. A lot of people have been pointing the finger at Chase Elliott of Bristol last year, and I think that's a very different situation because Chase Elliott went out and did something in his own hands. This wasn't a team order. I think Eric Jones at Martinsville in 2020 should have fallen under the same exact hood as this Cole Custer situation. 1,000%. If you're going to call this as, okay, this is an intentional act, that Eric Jones situation, 100%. You should have had Kevin Harvick in the playoffs because, or in the final four, Denny Hamlin should have missed because Eric Jones was told by Rick Corelli, do not pass the eleven. Do yeah. not pass him. What, what? What are you talking about? You have a faster race car and you're telling him not to pass him? That's yeah. blatantly obvious. Blatant. You know um, when, when this shit used to not happen was before playoffs? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, like, there haven't been any team orders. You know, like, 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 way before the playoffs, it was just go balls to the wall, man. Yeah, and if there were team orders, it was like, hey – Push your teammate here. Hey, let's try to both get you into the top five, or let's try to finish one, two. It wasn't telling the other guy in 26th, hey, let off, or hey, run this corner wide, you know. Yeah. Like it's it's insane. It's absolutely insane. And you know, with this whole Cole, the Cole Custer situation that we're having right now, I'm sorry, but there is one person, one person at the racetrack that knows you have a flat tire, and it's the guy who's holding the steering wheel. If he, Cole Custer to be fair, though, he did say he had a he felt he had a vibration beforehand. Which that's fair. You can absolutely have a, a, a vibration and, and express that. But if you're watching on television, which by the way, Cole Custer was not even on TV. Like you saw like what him finally come into frame after he jammed on his fucking brakes. So there was no way that someone could have told – and it wasn't even the spotter that said this. This was the crew chief that said, hey, you have a flat. Check up, check up, check up. Like, seriously? Like, there are so many different ways that, that could have happened. And, you know, it, it, it was just so poorly done. And if if I must say so myself, if I were Cole Custer, I'd be so thankful that my ass wasn't in that fucking three car – because let me tell you, I would have sent that man to the moon. You're going to jam on your brakes like that in front of me, being a fucking asshole. You would have gotten sent into the chicane. I would have taken out Briscoe. I would have taken out Keslowski. Everybody that was coming up to that chicane, sorry, man, you're screwed. He's <laughs> the luckiest SOB that I was not in that three car. Because no, no way would you be able to do that to somebody else. So – it was just a really poorly executed plan and it, it was so blatantly obvious what was happening. Um, like I could even tell it without even having to like read into anything like that. 41 stomped on his brakes to do that. Um, and so 
another thing is the fact that NASCAR said that they heavily pondered having the 14 car removed from the playoffs and inserting the five, which <laughs> yeah, that would have been a whole different situation we've had on our hands. And I, I mean, the credibility would have been even further lost if it wasn't already gone. Yeah. Yeah. So let me rewind here to my last statement for anyone watching or listening. I don't support what Cole Custer did. I don't support what that 41 team did in manipulating the race. I am extremely frustrated that this is the first time we're seeing any repercussions for it. Um, I would, I would rather have seen the first penalty from this come mid season somewhere. Um, you know, like a Ross Chastain, Kurt Busch incident, you know, from uh, was it Atlanta last year. Um, I would rather the Blaney Logano from Atlanta last year. Also, um, I would rather see something like that be the first major penalty of NASCAR saying, Hey, don't manipulate the races. Don't do it in your fucking playoffs. NASCAR has already put these drivers in such and teams in such a box. They almost don't have a choice sometimes, but to go out and just race like dickheads, Kevin Harvick, 2020, trying to just pick Kyle Busch in the last lap. They didn't, they didn't penalize him for that because that's what they wanted. They wanted chaos. They don't want chaos. If this guy is going to get in the playoffs and this guy's going to miss, that's what kind of what this told me. They don't want chaos unless you're going to hurt this guy or help this guy. Um, Cause it was all fine. Or in 2020 with Eric Jones, Denny Hamlin, it was all fine. When Kevin Harvick tried to pick Kyle Busch, there's lots of other instances where it's been fine. But this one wasn't. And to Chad's point in the comments, had MWR not done what they did, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Yeah. Pretty plain and simple. Yeah. Is, is this precedent I, got sent? I think both were shitty. I think the penalty and the actual break check were shitty moves. Yeah. So it's there's so much that's wrong right now. And the fact that teams need to relegate themselves so heavily to try and make sure that their guy gets in is it's, 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 it's wild. It's insane to me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, what's going to happen in Martinsville when one of the, you know, if a playoff contender spun out under caution or gets blatantly taken out in a corner and backs into the wall hard, you know, what's going to, I mean, we're going to snowball issues here soon. We're going to have to, we're going to have to start overlapping them. There's no mm-hmm. other course for this to go down unless we attack some of these, um, which to be fair, now they have set the precedent. Don't fucking do this. So hopefully we won't see any you know, blatant manipulation, um, at least in the coming weeks, hopefully for a few years, um, which is a plus. They also said that they pondered suspending Cole Custer. Would you have suspended Cole Custer if you were in that situation? No, no. I, I I think the penalty that they levied to that forty-one team is plenty, plenty <laughs> of, of of a penalty. There's no reason, and not to mention, I'm sorry, but it's not like Cole Custer's running up in the top five every fucking week. This no, man's okay. running like I saw this on Twitter today. How many career top fives do you think Cole Custer has? Two. He has two, and they were in back-to-back weeks in 2020. That's insane to me. How did you have Cole Custer get to the Cup Series with a race team that's won, what, two championships in their lifetime and countless race wins? And Cole Custer 
The only reason why this man ever won a race was because he had three cars dicking around on the front straightaway of Kentucky, jumping over a, a fucking, I, 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 what was it? I, I think it was like a like a sewer, like a manhole. Oh, yeah, yeah. If it yeah. weren't for that manhole, none of this, none yeah. of it would have happened. This man is the luckiest SOB alive. He could also thank John Hunter, John Hunter Nemechek because he brought out the very first caution to set all that in motion. Yeah. And then Johnson wrecked himself, and then they went and dicked around on the front stretch, and Cole Custer went and stole it for no reason. And it, it, it was like a one-hit wonder. Dude shows up, yeah. puts out a banger, and says, peace out. Yeah, modern-day Ron Bouchard. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Like, come on. And, and like, it's he's a cool dude. But, like, I'm sorry. He is – he should be an Xfinity Series lifer. Me and a buddy of mine, his name is Paulie. We have been talking about it for years, about having Xfinity and Truck Series lifers. And Cole Custer should be down in the Xfinity Series, racing in that 98 car, busting balls. Yep. Every week. Yep. Because there are people who could absolutely benefit from being in a Cup Series ride. And Cole Custer is not one of them. Yeah, exactly. I thought that was fucking nuts. Because I would have guessed at least, I don't know, maybe not quite 10, but I would at least have guessed 8, you know. Ah, this fucking kid. <laughs> this awkward fucking kid. Um, Moving on from the playoffs, um, or in the playoffs, I should say. Um, Let me look at these eight drivers, because honestly, I don't even fucking remember at this point. Um, we have Chase Elliott, Ryan Blaney, uh, Denny Hamlin, I believe Joey Logano. Yep. So Ch- the standings are Elliott, Logano, Ross Chastain, Christopher Bell, Ryan Blaney, William Byron, Denny Hamlin, Chase Briscoe. Who do you have going to the championship for? So I think right now where, where everything's kind of sitting in, in, in the next three weeks, you got Vegas, you got Homestead and you got Martinsville. I think you're going to see Ross Chastain advance to the final four. Unless Denny Hamlin finds himself in a great spot behind him in Martinsville, which I don't even know if you want to do that because if NASCAR feels, Hey, listen, we're going to leave you with a penalty. That's a whole different story. But I think that Ross Chastain can race his way into the final four. Um, I got Christopher Bell going to the final four. I, I think he is going to do a great job these next three weeks. Um, I believe he's got 18 top five finishes this year, this year um, and two race wins. So he's going he's gonna to be another one of those guys. I think you're going to have Ryan Blaney. I think he is going to win at Las Vegas and lock himself into the Final Four. And I got Chase Elliott winning at Martinsville. Um, started on pole in the spring race. And if it weren't for, I believe it was strategy, I think William Byron got out ahead of him um, on pit road. I, I think that Chase Elliott, if he can do the same exact thing, he's going to go ahead and win in Martinsville. Yeah. I think – so I have three of yours. Um, I think Bell is going to win next week at Vegas. I think he's going to go back-to-back. Toyota's have been absolutely hot at mile and a half all year. I think Byron is going to win at Homestead. Um, he won there last season. Byron has been kind of, I mean, we take away that penalty. He's still plus 11. Like he's been sneaky consistent, just like Christopher Bell has. Um, I think Ryan Blaney is going to get in just 
kind of based on attrition because he is, I mean, he is one of the most competitive drivers um, and consistent drivers all season. Um, and then I think you would have to be stupid not to say Chase because yeah. he is he has got to be the favorite right now. Um, I even saw the, the odds today. If you bet on Chase Elliott to win the championship, you're looking at like nine to five odds. Like you're barely going to make your money back. Um, yeah. I think I don't see a way that he doesn't make the final four other than an absolutely cataclysmic couple of weeks. Um, yeah. I, I, I mean, to be completely honest, I think the only driver that I think would be at, at the mercy of missing is going to be Ross. Um, and I think the only driver that I feel confident enough saying that can fill this spot, and it's not Denny, it's not William, I have Joey Logano going in as opposed to Ross Chastain in, in some circumstance that Chastain doesn't find his way into the Final Four. And the reason is, is Joey Logano has been really, really good all year long. Um, and he's been quiet good. I know that he went at, and he won at um, where he, I know we won at Gateway and he Darlington. also won at Darlington. Yeah. So I think that he's going to have a great opportunity as well. He is a seasoned vet. He's done a fantastic job this season. He's been quiet, but he's been at the front of the field. He led, I, I think, the, the second most laps yet, uh, on Sunday at the Roval. Yep. So. He's not a slouch. He is a, He is one of only two drivers in this playoff right now left that have a championship to their name. So I, I think that Joey Logano is a pretty stout pick. Um, I don't see Byron advancing. Um, I, I, I think we're going to see like a Chris, Chris Busher winning at Homestead um, hmm. or a Tyler Reddick or even a Kyle Larson. Um I do not see a playoff eligible driver winning at Homestead. I, I see a driver that's either been eliminated from the playoffs or was not in contention from the rip. Um, Vegas, I think, is going to be a highly touted um, playoff driver race for sure. And same thing in Martinsville. So, um, Denny, I, I think I think Denny has a, a good shot getting in, but I, I just I don't know. I, I think that. It's such a toss-up for Denny right now. Um, I think it's really all going to start with how he runs at Vegas, how well he's going to do from the jump, getting into the next to the next round. Um, and then who was the other driver that made it in? Um, uh, oh, Briscoe. Duh. Briscoe. Um, yeah. I, I'm sorry. I, I don't have him going. It's sorry. He's yeah. he got in by skin of his teeth. He got in from Daniel Suarez having to struggle with his race car for, you know, two hours. And he got in because Kyle Larson, I, I don't know, raced his car too hard and yeah. hit, hit a wall. So Briscoe yeah. would not even be anywhere in the top top eight if it weren't for the fact that he had two blunders that got him in by two points and his teammate just fucking raw dogging it at, at, at the, at the, uh, the chicane on the back. So um, I don't see him getting in, um, but – I think there's about six drivers that really have a great opportunity getting in. And I think it's going to be a very exciting and intense few weeks um, heading into Phoenix. Um, that was all. Actually, that was all on my list. Keith, you have anything else you want to mention? Oh, man. What did I text you? I texted you some shit. 
I you text so I, everything that you texted to the group I put on here. Um, and we touched at one point or another. Let me see here. Sorry, for those of you watching, we are absolutely horrendous at uh time to move on from the playoffs. That that is a question that I I think a lot of people would, would absolutely support us talking about. Um and I think that that's a hard question to ask, considering since the inception of the playoffs in 2004, this is the longest format that we have had since the original format. Um, and this is its sixth season uh, of being used with, you know, stages, stage points, and all the kit and caboodle. So this is so an interesting question. Yes. Um this isn't to preface this. This isn't just about not liking the playoffs. Um, when I ask the question, I don't think of it as like I don't like playoffs. Like I don't watch the championship race because I do not like the playoffs so much that I'm willing to sacrifice one race a year to kind of hit them in the viewership and just say no, I'm not doing this. I don't like it. Um, but. I think from a maturity standpoint, there has to be some look at the current playoff format because it is every year becoming more and more chaotic and it's becoming, is it entertaining? Depends on who you ask and how you look at it. Um, but it's, it's becoming embarrassing, not only to the drivers, to the teams, to the sponsors, um, to NASCAR as a whole, to the fans. Um, I think it is time I would like to see them go back to the original chase format. I think we've tried a few different things. Um, you know, we've shaken the dice however many times we can. Let's go ahead and go back to that. It is not an embarrassment to say I was wrong. Let's go back and do it this way. It, it, it not at all. Tons of companies have done this. Um, what kills companies. And I've said it on here. There's a specific word for it that I learned in college. I can't fucking remember. Um, but basically when a company doubles down on something, that is visibly hurting their margins. Um, it ends up a lot of times ruining the business. Kmart, Sears, Blockbuster, all of these great examples of it. Um, I don't want to see NASCAR in that same boat. Like you said earlier, I think we're at a pivot point. I don't think if we don't, if they say we're going to run the playoffs 10 more years, I don't think that kills NASCAR. I think it comes damn close. If it continues down this path of constant chaos and just pure attrition, no magical talent whatsoever, just based on who can outwreck who, um, I think it is more than time to move on. Um, they can even keep. I'm. I've said it on here before. I'm 100% in agreement with stage points. Um, I mean, obviously, playoff points you do away with, but I do like stage points. Um, but I feel like I, I, I think stage points. There have I don't been like a few the stage things, break. Yeah, there have been a few things over the last decade that NASCAR has implemented that I really, really enjoy. Um, one of the biggest things is the choose cone. I love the choose cone. I think it's fantastic, and I love stages. I don't like stage breaks. Yep. Stage breaks ruin a race. We've seen it happen time and time again where you'll invert an entire field at a road course and you change the entire course of the whole event. 
Mm-hmm. You know, now a, a driver that's absolutely dominated can't get back to the field, not because they don't have the talent, not because the car's not good. They can't pass. They can't get through the field. So now you are taking away – you are are penalizing a team, which is the most ironic part is the fact that stage points and stage breaks were created to – reward teams for being good for being the fastest being the strongest that's what it was in 2017 when they implemented it they wanted the best drivers to be at the front of the field and win stages martin truex jr master class job and now one thing that i think you also need to remember is guess who had four stage wins this year chase briscoe Oh, really? He did not earn any of them by being at the front of the field. He earned every one of them by him finding a strategy and getting to the front of the field when it counted the most. And so, was he the best driver? Absolutely not. Yet, he is in over Kyle Larson, the defending champion of the season. So, that... That goes to show you where we're at right now with, with stage breaks, especially. Stage yeah. points, stage points, if, if we made sure there was no break, there was no predetermined caution, the driver that's leading with two laps to go is not going to pit. He is going to stay out there until his time is coming for him to have to go and pit. You know, maybe there's a couple of, uh, of strategy events in which, you know, it, the – the fuel window falls where the stage break would end up being, or the you know the the stage point end. I I hate stage breaks when it comes, especially for road courses, especially with plate tracks. I think it ruins the the product so heavily. Um, and I remember I I was watching a few weeks ago. I did an overnight. I did overnight fuel because here in Jersey we got to pump gas for our customers. Um, I sat outside and I watched um, the 2016 Atlanta race. There wasn't a caution until two laps to go. And that means that for 323 laps, they were green. There was nothing. There wasn't a stage point. There wasn't a stage break. It was pure raw racing. And it came down to fantastic strategy that won the race for Jimmy Johnson. So stage points, I love. I think it's great. And it does reward drivers for being the best. Stage breaks promotes chaos calamity and just absolute attrition it's 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 going to start some bullshit and it has on multiple occasions yeah yeah exactly um and i mean stage stage breaks rob us of several opportunities not only for long race the xfinity race i mentioned it at the beginning of the show that aj was on a different strategy because he didn't have to go get stage points those cautions are what made him be on a different strategy. If they just gave out points and they didn't worry about anything else, chances are that strategy wouldn't have made as big of a difference because everyone would have tried at some degree or another to win the race and not just go balls to the wall and win a stage. We would have seen a more natural progression of the strategy. Um, and I, I, the breaks just kill any natural strategy. Um, yeah. I don't think anyone is a fan of them. Um, to Chad's point here, I actually wanted to bring this up real quick. Um, let's go back to single season points and just have four double points races. I just call it the four crown jewels. If we want Daytona, Coke 600, Southern 500, Bristol night race, 
Um, I think that's a great idea. IndyCar does it, and it works for them, to be fair, for them. I mean, I think you could do five races. I think all four of those crown jewels and the, and the title race, I think, would be yeah. the best ways to do that if you're going to go single season. I hate explaining to anybody that I meet, oh, you like NASCAR. How does it work? I don't know. I'm sorry, yeah. dude. Yeah. I've watched this thing for a long time, and I I, I lost it. I lost it. I, I, you're going to be here for a while while I tell you all the crazy shit. And I'm going to backtrack and tell you the things that I forgot because, oh, that we added a couple years ago. Oh, this we're, we're just getting rid of. Oh, we have that now, too. So it's yeah. all over the place. Like, you know that meme? And I forget what show it's from, but the dude's got just this big board and it's all these different things, rubber bands in all different directions, different pictures of like, okay, this is what you're looking at. And he's just like freaking the fuck oh, out. The, like, the Charlie Day, yeah. He's got yes, the and he's, yes. Yeah. That's what it is. It's like that's what the playoffs are. Is yeah. You have to go back to here to figure out what happened here. This is why we have this. This is what this is. This is what that is. But this is not too much. Way too much. It is so convoluted. The original playoff format was, hey, the top 10 drivers at the end of the season, you're going to run for a title. Because guess what? 11th place wouldn't run for a fucking championship. 11th place, uh, unless you had an insane 10 race run of yeah. 10 straight wins and perfect, Just, perfect yeah. outcomes, yep. the top 10 go for it. You know, so I simple is so much better to follow and it's so much more fun. Yeah. It really, really is. Like, this isn't fun for me. You know, I would, I, I, yeah. I, I watch this because it's, it's, this is my sport. But this isn't nearly as fun as it, as it used to be. Right. I would rather see Chase run his balls off at Vegas and win the championship after Homestead than go into yet another ninth now in a row forced Game 7 moment. Um, because they do get stale. You, like you said, you can't capture lightning in a bottle every week. Well, you can't do it every year with the championship either. I don't see why we're trying to constantly recreate 2011 and 1992 and all these great races. Um, let's just go race. Like if, if chase whoops all ass and gets it done with three races left in the year, good for him. They were absolutely dominant most of the season. Like same with Harvick in 2020. I was saying that, um, I'd rather, I would rather someone go out and just blow the fucking competition out of the water and say, damn, they had a really dominant year. Damn, this is probably one of the most dominant seasons in NASCAR we've ever seen. Instead of, damn, Kevin Harvick had such a good season. It's a shame he finished fifth in points. Damn, Kevin yep. Harvick won all these races. It's a shame. He won a quarter of the races this season. It is a shame that he finished fifth in points. Martin Jurek Jr. was fourth at entering Daytona. And he is going to most likely be credited with 18th place points. Yep. Which does not – I mean, listen, I have my my reservations about it, but at the end of the day, he was running fourth when he headed into Daytona, and he was 17th when he entered into, into yep. Darlington. And, and, you know, with the old chase format, you know, even while, with the wild cards and shit, 2010, 2011, 2012 were all races where it came down to the final race of the year. Homestead, there was a 14-point separation between Johnson and Hamlin, which back when we had the, uh, the, the the five points per position system, that was three spots on the racetrack. When you had the, the, the Stuart Edwards, they tied, tied. You had 2012, if it weren't for Jimmy Johnson blowing out his, his drive line, 
it was coming down to Jonathan and Kozlowski at the very, very bitter end. Yeah. And that's exciting. That's exciting. If you know for a fact when you roll into the Daytona International Speedway for the Daytona 500, you know for a fact, all right, four of you guys are going to be battling for 400 miles. I know that for a fact. Which one? I don't know. We're going to figure it out. But one of you guys is going to battle to the death. So it, it, it sucks when you kind of break it down and you look at it. And I think that we've gotten to a point now. I, I enjoyed the playoffs. I loved the playoff group when it first started. And it has gotten stale. They've tried too hard. They've put too much into it. And now I'm just like, what am I watching? Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I I, I didn't enjoy the 2020. I, I, I didn't enjoy 2019. I didn't enjoy 2020. Barely enjoyed 2021. And, I, and and it also has a lot to do with the racetrack. Like, I'm sorry, but, like, Phoenix is not the place I want to yeah. battle for a title. Like, yeah, exactly. And it, 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 there's so many different things that go into it, and, and it sucks. So I hate it. I, I, I think that – and I've been a big defender of it all year long. You can go look at my Twitter how much I've defended it. And I've gotten to a point, especially after this week, I have no desire, no desire to keep this, this system running any longer. And, you know, we, we went the whole, if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it route. And it was not broke yet. We tried to fix it and yeah. now it is broke and now it needs to be fixed. Yeah. Yeah. And we went from, it's not broke. Don't fix it to it's broke. Why the fuck are we not fixing it? Yeah. Um, so, well, this is an eventful episode. This is a fun episode. <coughs> I feel like I just did a therapy session. Um, it felt because like none of the guys at my work there's one of them that's a nascar fan but he's like old and he's definitely the nascar died with dale type um but um i can't really sit and avidly discuss this um so it's nice to get on and just vent fucking frustration um i mean i'm sure you kind of felt the same way i don't know how many nascar fans you interact with on a daily basis um not enough yeah, um, I, I, I'll I'll talk to people who are you know asking me uh, uh, about drivers that have no correlation. Like they'd be like, "Oh yeah, Kurt Busch still in the two car, right?" And I'm just like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah he's he's still in the fucking two car." Yeah. So like, how's Junior doing? Questions. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just like, man, and you have to be so nice about it, and you can't just be like, "You're an idiot." Like mm-hmm. you understand that, like you are removed from like at least a decade. So. Yeah. So I, I try my hardest not to interact with NASCAR because it makes me irritated. So whatever. Chad says that um, he is, or he, you have his mentality about the sport, um, you know, with the, the drive and the passion. However, you can't rant like Alex. I don't think any of us can. Alex has like fucking perfected that. Um I, yeah. I mean, listen, I love to have a passion about it, but Alex has a whole different perspective yeah, you, you get on, on how to just, yeah. oh yeah, there's no stopping it. Could you imagine getting him good and pissed and like handing him a Red Bull and just like sending him off? I mean, I would have to clear my schedule before I plan something like yeah. that because <laughs> I'd be here for a minute, man. All right. Well, if you don't have anything else, um, I think we're going to sign off here. I think so, yeah. I mean, we got Vegas this week. I think – are all three series racing this week? No, just Xfinity Cup. Um, yeah. I'm excited for the Xfinity race. I'm very much looking forward to it. I think that Ty Gibbs locks himself in the Final Four. 
with a win at Las Vegas. Um, and I also, I, I have a sneaking su- suspicion that it's going to be Ryan Blaney winning this weekend. Um, I think the only driver that might be able to put up much of a fight, um, would be Kyle Larson. Um, considering he was that close to winning in the spring race against his teammate, Alex Bowman, which I hope that he gets better, um, after his, his announcement. But, um, I'm looking forward to, to the two weeks, we two races we got this week. Um, they're going to be great events. I said, when we had, uh, talked about our, our, uh, the Fox transition to NBC episode where we had listed our favorite races, Vegas was number one for me. So I am very much excited for this. I hope that it lives up to my expectations and I hope that when we meet up next week, it won't be nearly as somber of an episode as it was in this one. Yeah. Yeah. I am hoping for a calm, boring race. Like just all I want. Let some stuff settle down. Let, I don't care if it's Logano, just let him leave 400 fucking laps. However long the race is. Let's just settle down for a week. I'm, I'm um, all about it. All yeah. about it. Um, and I do agree with with Chad here. I think Homestead is going to be the best race of this round. Um, oh, I think I'm Vegas. So is be thankful close. they put Homestead yeah. back in the playoffs, man. Yes, they're, yeah. they're getting closer to putting it back where it should be. I, they, yeah, they're inching. Um, but with all that said, we thank you guys for watching. Um, looks like there's still three of you here with us. So we thank you guys for tuning in. Um, as always, you can check us out on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, and Instagram, FanFuelMSM, capital F, capital F, capital MSM. Um, yeah, go like us. Go follow us. Go help us out a little bit if you like the content. We'll be back on next week with a little bit more firepower with Alex and his rants. I'm sure he's going to be hot pissed at something. Um, and well, he's, probably, he, he's <laughs> probably still got it all pent up from this week, man. He, yeah. he hasn't let it loose. Well, it sounds like he had some issues at work last night, so it sounds like he got even more kind of saved up in the jar. Yup. So, yeah, so it'll be spicy. It's going to be exciting. I'm, <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Uh, check us out at fanfieldmotorsports.com. we got some new articles coming here soon. Um, that being said, thank you, guys. We'll see you next time.